Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the MetaPortal podcast. As always, I'm AG, and I'm joined here by Dark Forest Capital, my co-host and uh, co-founder of uh, MetaPortal. And uh, today we're excited to talk to Tin Nguyen over at Cypher, the founder of Cypher, uh, NFT sort of gaming and uh, open world project. We've uh, obviously done some some research and some digging on the project, and it's uh, got us both quite excited. So, um, you know, glad to have Tin on to kind of share the story and, and uh, explain a bit more about what they're building. Tin, thanks for coming on. Um, how are you today? I'm doing great. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. All right. Let's... Uh, you know, let's kick off a little bit with sort of your your background before we uh, get into Cipher and, and what you guys are building. Um, so maybe you could share a little bit about kind of your story and, and how you got to this point of uh, building building this game. Sure. Um, it's going to be a pretty long-winded one, but um, bear with me for a second. So basically, you know, I've got into crypto at the beginning of the year uh, around uh, February during Chinese New Year. Um, it was a, a long break for me. And, and there's this thing about crypto and blockchain that all, all the people have been buzzing about and a few of my friends have been talking about it. So I decided to, you know, took a two weeks sabbatical and just, you know, deep dive into the space and really learn what it's all about. And once I do, and I learned about, you know, the, you know, about uh, Bitcoin, about Ethereum, about smart contracts and about, you know, the power of tokenomics and how it can really you know, bootstrapped, uh, you know, community you can bootstrap products and projects. I'm instantly fascinated. Um, and then fast forward a few weeks after, you know, I witnessed the launch of really cool like NFT projects. And one of them was Broad Apes. And of course, there's Axie Infinity as well, which is a Vietnamese uh, game studio that, I, that I've uh, also uh, have the pleasure of knowing. So uh, I've been just watching the, the, the rise and the you know the the limitless applications of blockchain and more importantly NFTs in this industry that is entertainment and gaming. So, you know, when I saw that, and you know, for me being like a lifelong gamer with like a massive passion for entrepreneurship, I thought this is like the perfect chance for anyone, uh, you know, with a drive, a motivation to start an, a new age of uh, gaming and entertainment company based on blockchain technology. So fast forward a few months to now, uh, I guess January, I guess it's been about seven, eight months now. And, uh, you know, we've, we've grown from a group of four or five people to now 110 people in a company. So yeah, that was pretty much my journey with Cypher. That's, uh, that's crazy growth in, in just seven months. And, and like you said, I think um, the 20 probably end of 2020 and 2021 has been probably the best time to start like a, a crypto company or DAO or community. And, and we've seen so many kind of pop up over that period. So definitely the sort of the right, the right time to, to get in. Let's, uh, you know, let's talk about Cypher a little bit. I think uh, we'll start with, you know, maybe a bit of high level, Kind of history and and division and, and things like that, and and then we'll jump mm -hmm. into sort of the in-game economy and 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 how you think about governance and some of these more sort of thorny issues. Um, so yeah, maybe can you give us a bit of a sense of kind of the 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 timeline and and the history of of Cipher and, and kind of what has happened over the last seven months what have you guys mm -hmm. been sort of working on or, or delivering and, and and maybe a little bit about the team and, and how you grew that sure so when i decided to build cypher um the vision has always been to build a really compelling game first um leveraging you know um blockchain technologies back then i wasn't so uh, how do I say entranced with the, the phrase play to earn because, you know, as a lifelong gamer, I thought gaming first and foremost should be really fun, really engaging and compelling to play. Um, so that was our original mission. And we knew that in order to realize that mission or that vision, we would need to, you know, basically build a strong team with um, a, a very strong foundation for delivering what we think would be an amazing game to play. 
And so, you know, it took us a few months to formulate the, the foundational team, um, you know, uh, making sure that we got all the key hires in place and also figuring out exactly what we're going to build as a game. Um, there were a lot of ideas floating around um, on like, oh, should we build like, like a simple, like kind of like um, uh, AFK arena kind of game or should we build something more of a complex, like a simulation game? Uh, or should we do like build like a live action game? And uh, with us, the, the core team being, you know, we have we are big fans of live action games like Dota or, you know, League of Legends or even like later on like Brawl Stars and Smash Legends. We think that is definitely a massive opportunity that we don't see many games are doing. Um, and it's just right along what we are very familiar with, uh, you know, playing and growing up with it. So we decided to build you know, the cipher game based on that genre. So fast forward to today, we, I think, have a pretty solid idea on what we can deliver um, uh, in a few quarters. Basically, it's going to be a dungeon looter shooter uh, with a bit of hack and slash. And uh, that's going to be our core PVE experience that we have been just heads down building um, and, and grow the team for it. Yeah. Cool. Um, hey, Tin. So, Stark Forest, thanks for coming on. I, I wanted to jump in quickly here and, and ask, because I've seen on Twitter recently some pushback on NFTs from like traditional gamers. Um, and what you've just said at the beginning there was you thought about this and you, you know, you're initially like a little bit resistant to the, to the idea of play to earn perhaps and and you wanted to design something that was play for fun initially, and that's really important to you. So I just wondered, have you also seen that? Have you considered um, your approach for, for Cypher? And is there anything you're doing specifically to try and communicate uh, why NFTs are important and how they can actually make the gaming experience better, potentially, for, for gamers? Yeah, I think I think it's a bit futile, um, in my opinion, for gaming companies to try to, you know, shove this NFT tech down just traditional gamers' uh, throats. I think ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, we as gamers, we don't really care what kind of technology stack or, you know, like multiplayer stack or even like rendering engines that, you know, games are built on. Um, we just want to have a great experience you know whether it's storytelling whether it's a game mechanic whether it's a meta loop so i think we should not start with the first foot saying oh you know we're nfts game and come and play because we're an nft game so that would be my first observation and and, and thinking my second is uh towards your point about play to earn um i think when you sort of position yourself as purely like a play to earn game, um, you would attract a very different crowd. You would attract, I would say, almost 100% of people who come to your game in the hope of just making money or earning money. And I think we all know and figure out by now that that is definitely inherently not sustainable. There has to be, I think, there has to be an exchange of value between different gamers. And that's how the game system is going to be uh, sustainable and that value could be you know value of time could be value of fun it could be you know value of like you know some other utilities that the the, the gamers can get out of uh, on on top of just like you know hoping to make a quick you know like a dollar or two or you know hundred dollars or two and lastly i think with the pushback lately from gamers you know i've talked to a lot of game uh in the, like industry veterans who make an observation to me that you know the loudest people sometimes do not reflect the majority so um i think one of the examples that he shared with me is that you know there'll be some very very you know uh vocal gamers on reddit about even traditional games right there about a feature or about release or uh, the way it's being monetized and you know they're super loud but in the end they make up like you know a few percent uh, of the population and the rest are just happily playing the game and chugging along. So I think those three would be my uh, current uh, observation on the current pushback of play to earn. And definitely we should take a page from that and try to communicate and position our games better in order to reach like broader adoptions. And uh, one of that has to do with not positioning us as 
a play to earn game first and foremost. Cool. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Certainly coming from like the DAO space, we've seen that vocal minorities can have uh, like an outsized effect if you if you listen to to feedback in a certain direction from a, a small vocal group. So um, yeah, I think that the approach that you've talked about there and like obviously building the game that just gives ownership anyway and not really focusing too much on the technology behind it. Like like you said, people don't really need to know. So I think to, to summarize your advice to like traditional game studios would basically be just build it, like almost just 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 do it and and I guess don't really uh, yeah don't really focus on that specifically. Yeah, I think that's just taking energy away from your efforts. I think you should just focus on building a great game and engaging and building a great community that will love playing your game. What no matter what it is, um, I think that should be the ultimate uh, focus and not like oh should we build NFT this or NFT that or you know that kind of thing. So while while we're on the subject, um, oh, let let me ask you a couple more things. Um, I think. One of the arguments I've heard recently about kind of like pushback against NFTs from the traditional gaming community is that like NFT games offer inferior experience, really. They're not like their step back comes to gaming, right? Uh, compared to traditional games. And so there's this pushback where it's like, why are we why are we going back to an inferior experience and it's not just gaming experience it's like everything around it right like we need a a metamask wallet we need to buy eth like it's just much harder and it's less fun so i think that's a that's a valid criticism would you agree yep 100 yeah and then in terms of like play to earn um so i i feel like you know we've used this term for uh, probably just over a year now, and it's it's starting to like fall apart a little bit. I think that the dynamic where you have a group of people who come in and sort of do very specific tasks on a daily basis to earn um, a token, I think that model has certainly economic and sustainability challenges. But I think like the model where people just play the game, right? And then they're able to find items, right? Like earn specific items that they can then craft and trade. I think that's a much more sustainable system. And I, and I, I think you guys are using a lot of these elements. Would would you agree with that statement as well? Yeah. So your, your first statement, I want to make a, a point, a note there, is I think we are very early um, in terms of technology adoption and just the UX on blockchain products in general. If you even think about just the MetaMask experience or like swapping tokens on using Uniswap, like it's still very painful compared to like traditional, let's say bank financing. So because we're inherently early, uh, I think UX have yet to catch up and it's, it's the same in, in gaming right now or currently. But you know, I think given a few months, quarters, maybe a year, I think you see like a lot, like much, much better games coming out with much better UX uh, that will hopefully address the, the the problems that you mentioned in point one. And then uh, in, in point two, regarding this, um, again, like play to earn model where every day you go in and you do some basic task and then you earn some tokens that you can then exchange for financial value. I do think that it's not sustainable and you do have to think of it in a much bigger like economic loop in a sense that like if, for example, for Cypher, um, we're building a dungeon looter shooter. So, you know, you would go in and you have to play the dungeons and you have to play it well because it's progressively harder and there is like a meta loop where you got to choose the right skill, the right like mix of teams that you can, you know, beat the challenges that are ahead of you and then you get rewarded with loots with gems with resources which you can either just use for yourself and continue the playing and get more powerful and repeat the the, the combat loop or you can choose to trade it you know so it's a very it's a very similar experience to let's say path of exile 
or even Diablo or Wolf Warcraft, right? And then, so there'll be people who would, in, in essence, uh, exchange their skills and time for loot. And then there'll be people who may not have the time uh, that would just want to trade that, that the money they have for the loot. So I think that is something that we're looking at and that we believe that is definitely more sustainable uh, compared to the, the previous example that you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, I, I agree with that. I think I'm really looking forward to seeing games come out in 2022 that, that use that mechanic. And I think like from like the game or player perspective is just much more fun to play, right? Because uh, you can sort of go and explore and find loot. You mm-hmm. can sell it, craft it into different items. So it's just, yeah, um, it's uh, it's more entertaining and more sustainable. What's Maybe can you talk about like the vision for for cipher in terms of uh so you're working on 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 this uh, sort of dungeon game at at the moment and i believe it's probably like second quarter third quarter of 2022 um when when you're likely to deliver that kind of what's what's the vision beyond that like you have i think you have land as well planned so there's a lot of kind of interesting mm-hmm. pieces there can you talk a little bit about like maybe what's beyond this this uh this first release of the game like what what is the big picture here sure for us the once the game is released um basically we just started <laughs> meaning that it's going to be a live service game meaning that we'll be releasing like like the content you get at the first release is like only the tip of the iceberg, right? We'll, we have multiple worlds or we call it planets that you can explore, multiple dungeons, um, different like uh, gods, archetypes that you can explore. Um, you know, we have different like challenges and then, you know, you can compete for, again, uh, different um, uh, like leaderboards on multiple things, not just on, you know, like how many monsters or how many levels you beat but like on on other things as well because we put people who want to compete in different things and then after that so that's an ongoing like live service model where we keep constantly releasing content hopefully on a monthly or bi-monthly basis and then towards the the end of the year we'll uh, uh, want to release a player versus player or we call it a battle arena mode where you take these characters and weapons that you have accumulated and honed and crafted to the best of your ability. And then you go into, you know, like these, these arenas to do for combat. Right. And this is where we can create like another uh, very interesting and emergent gameplay loop because with PVP, uh, every opponent, every match, every team mix up is a different engagement and that's how we're going to keep it really interesting and really fresh. Um, so that's the, the two main game modes that we're hoping to deliver um, as the core gameplay experience. And then on the note of land, uh, we're still, we, we think that is very important for, for games and especially like with blockchain gaming to incorporate some sort of like persistent world, persistent digital world. Um, like uh, in 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 terms of like engagement, however, we're still, uh, I would say, analyzing on what's the best model for this. Um, there's a few case studies of you know the central land or sandbox, who went with the traditional land sale model, and there's the big time studio, who went with the more like the selling like personal space uh, model. Um, we're still not sure which is the best. Um, we have to make sure that whatever we do is for the long-term growth of the community. And we definitely don't want, you know, like landlords just sitting on empty lots of, you know, digital land and then no creators or nobody can, can go and build amazing things on top of it. So that's something we're still very much in, you know, in the very early and planning stage. And we definitely don't want to go out and just start selling land left and right. Um, if we don't have that figure out. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. I think um, a lot of projects perhaps use land sales as sort of the fu- funding mechanism in the beginning, right? But then once you've made those commitments saying like there's only going to be X amount of land or then it, it's really 
it's really hard to go back on this, right? And and if you haven't thought through like how that's going to be incorporated into the game, uh, it can create challenges down the road, right? Let's let's chat a little bit about like the the in-game economy and and different sort of syncs and feedback loops and 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 tokens and resources that you guys have planned. So to to start with, right? There's going to be sort of the two primary tokens in the ecosystem, um, which is going to be Cypher, uh, sort of the the value accrual plus governance token, as, as far as I understand it, um, as well as Ether, right, which is going to be more of the sort of in-game reward um, token that will also be required for like crafting and, and, and other items. Um, did I did I get that right? And, and if so, um, maybe you can give us a little bit of color and more detail around like the the purpose of the tokens and and how you imagine them interacting in the ecosystem sure um firstly you got it pretty much on on the spot in terms of the current um tokenomic model with the dual token um so we definitely are implementing more than one token model um i i wouldn't say we only have two but perhaps there'll be more and when I say token, I say it very loosely. I mean, you, you don't, I mean, like a resources in-game can be a token or like an NFT item can be a token too, right? So the Cypher token is meant to be a governance and a value capture token. So anything that has basically significant economic impact uh, in terms of the game, uh, we will definitely want to make sure that it's being consumed or traded using Cypher. Um, and then for Aether, we call it the in-game energy uh, source. Um, the, the, the current design for it is like this, this power source, which is very cool and we cannot wait to show it to the public. And the idea is that you know, for every dungeon games that you go on and every monsters and bosses that you defeat, uh, there'll, there'll be a chance of you getting not, on, not only loots, but also resources and also like these Aether shards. And these Aether Shards is being used for a variety of things. Like basically in the world, everything needs energy. It's kind of like if you watch Arcane in Riot, you know, Hextech, you know, you, you, you need it for you know, like that advanced stuff, you know, to becoming more powerful, getting more powerful weapons and, and, and so on. So it's a very similar concept where we, you need Aether to basically supercharge your crafting and, and take it to the next level or using Aether to basically uh, produce like consumables or using Aether to upgrade your characters to the next level, uh, upgrade your skills to the next level and so on and so forth. So there's a variety of use case for Aether for just the combat mechanic and crafting mechanic alone. And later on, when we do uh, some kind of like a building mechanic where you can construct like incubators and farms and so on to produce consumables for you, then there's definitely another sink for Aether as well. Um, and it's not just Aether that's, that has a sink because, you know, as you know, being, uh, with the game, you whenever you have a resource tab, you need a sink somewhere. Otherwise, this is crazy inflation that will go, that will happen. So we'll make sure that everything is being modeled out right. Um, and there's many levers that we can sort of tweak and turn so that we can make sure that uh, the, 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 the Aether token is in a good state and doesn't have like rampant inflation. And if we see a need for to introduce like another resource token um, in the form of resources, then we definitely are open to that as well. And we're not just like fixated on just having two tokens. Yeah, so... I think uh, it makes sense, right, to to clarify, as you said, that um, a lot of these sort of in-game items, whether weapons or skins or um, vessel cores, which is something that you guys have, are all sort of tokens in in their own right, right? So maybe you can talk about like some of some of those elements because when I sort of read through a lot of the material that you have on on your website and in the kind of the cipher atlas which which is great by the way there's like so much information um like it, it's really great to see and it compares really well to kind of a lot of the other projects in the space but you talk about a lot of things you talk about like vessel cores and blueprints for cosmetics and blueprints for 
more like for for pets and utility upgrades and it's just like there there's quite a lot so how much of that i guess is sort of not the final design but perhaps more or less final and and you're uh pretty set that you're going to do these things and and how much of it is still sort of um in the uh, sort of discussion mode perhaps yeah maybe you can give us some sense on that yeah it's a great question um that's the question that we ask ourselves all the time with like five game we have five game designers right now working in this game uh two of them are like game economists um and we're asking this question all the time um as with any game there's no final state of a game economy like it, have you heard of this game called new world by amazon games um like i mean currently they have like this crazy deflation crisis that like things are just not being like produced fast enough and the economy is like stagnant you know so for me a game economy or economy model has to be is alive meaning you have to constantly tweak and measure um what we plan to do um is when when we are ready for the public uh beta we want to run this on a testnet with real players so that you know and these are engaged you know early supporters and we hope for them to help us validate a few assumptions you know when it comes to the 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 rate of uh, resource um being released into the system and also the rate of drainage of those resources out of the system and uh you know we i of course we did mention a lot of things uh it seems like you know like recipes blueprints and vessel course but it's actually not a lot if you think about it, i'm from like a like like a uh an mmo point of view i mean if you if you google and saw like the ultima online resource chart <laughs> i think you 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 faint right there's a lot of things happening there so we will try to keep it as simple as possible for the everyday readers but definitely if you look behind the scenes there's a lot of complicated loop that would help us make sure we can again um maneuver the economy uh relatively well and, and again doesn't run to the the issue of like rampant inflation so just to give you an example um if for if you play the game you play a dungeon and you get a this super rare uh, let's say epic level recipe that you can craft to make a weapon yeah so you have that as an nft so it's a token but it's unique because there's only one recipe of that exact design so in order for you to craft that into a weapon you need to consume or burn certain other certain tokens including aether including resources and also including that recipe token you'll be burned and then in exchange you'll be rewarded with a gun a weapon a super, like an epic level weapon with a unique stats like plus 5% to attack speed plus 10% to damage for example and then you can choose to upgrade that weapons to use over time or you can choose to uncraft it disassemble it you know and then you can earn another resource which you then can use for other crafting loops of uh, of different items so that's how the resources is being there's a term for it being transmute uh, in the economic loop and that's how you can make sure that there's different ways of like draining uh the resources that are being produced by the players and not just like one single uh path i hope that's not too complex to understand no no it's it's actually fascinating because like granted i think we haven't looked into too many nft games but we've looked at probably a dozen or more and it's um it's really exciting and refreshing to see so many different feedback loops and it's just like it's more comparable to traditional gaming experience right um which uh you know which is really exciting for us you also have like the the equivalent of uh, of breeding right um where you can you can create new ciphers from kind of the the genesis uh collection plus uh, some some secondary uh resource Can you let's let's talk maybe a little bit about like uh the the ciphers themselves I think it's just a good point mm-hmm. to do so you kind of you 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 have uh four races and 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 four sub races maybe you can you can give the listeners like a little bit of a of an intro into ciphers themselves and and the plans you have there including sure. the, the breeding mechanism as well Sure sure so so cipher are um surrogates that basically your second 
your your vessels that you can control in the in the world of Cypheria to basically go on quests and you know uh, dungeons and so on. <clears throat> and currently, we have uh, uh, five races planned, uh, with each race having up to four sub races. Um, and we have released uh, two races, uh, which is the Inu, uh, the, is it the dog, and then Neko, which is the cat. And uh, the mechanic of how we release it was we release 10,000s of each uh, race and we guarantee that there will be only 10,000 being released as Genesis, uh, Inu, and Nekos. Well, what does that mean? It means that we promise that as a game developer, we will not produce like more Inu and Nekos just, you know, just to sell, but we will basically allowed early supporters who bought those collections via this cloning mechanic to essentially becoming like having an ability to clone these characters into newer characters and being able to keep using it or uh, distributing it to other players who would want to play uh, an Inu or an Echo race. And by doing that, we real, we believe that we're basically sharing the the value of the, the ecosystem with the early supporter, and then they can choose to, you know, capture that in whatever way they want. So think of it like being able to not only resell your CD key uh, to a game, but also being able to, I guess, duplicate that CD keys and then sell it to your friend. However, you cannot just duplicate right away. You must play the game and then earn that vessel core uh, while for playing, and then you can duplicate. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's really interesting. I think uh, I just love how like every part of every part of the system, right? In a way, like any any action that that you sort of want to do requires playing the game, um, and and I think that's uh, that's that's really interesting. Uh, let's you know, like um, let's talk a little bit about like the the infrastructure and and how how you're approaching how you're approaching this. I think, you know, we've seen a lot of games uh, build their own blockchain solution or, you know, some have launched on Polygon or Binance or Solana or whatnot. And you mentioned, right, there's going to be five races. Uh, the first two had uh, 10,000 characters. So let's say we assume 10,000 characters for each five. That's about, you know, 50,000 players and with cloning and so on. So, yeah, maybe you can talk to us about how um, how you're looking at sort of the the tech stack, um, the, the infrastructure. Is the game going to be sort of downloadable and it's going to live on your local device, and and you're going to do sort of all the um, all the computation and, and and rendering in the cloud? Um, how? Yeah, like maybe talk to us about the um, mm -hmm. that about the tech stack here. Sure. So the game, uh, we first and foremost we aim for this game to be cross-platform compatible. What does that mean? It means that if you're on PC, if you're on Android, if you're on iOS, and hopefully Mac, you can play with your friends who are on like a different platform, uh, any of the four together, edit in the same like kind of server environment in the same match. So because of that goal, we are we, we chose to build on Unity as a tech stack, which helps with the, the, the cross-platform development. And um, how we plan to distribute a game is first we'll be releasing on PC, and uh, with PC we are, are aiming for direct distribution, uh, which means we are building a PC client. So think of it like a Epic Games client um, or a Riot Games client, where you can download on your PC, and it, it downloads and it constantly updates the latest version of the game of the Cipher game for you. And you just use a username and password system and you can play using that. So the way we did that so that we can abstract away for the non-crypto natives, all this like, okay, MetaMask, seed phrase, buy ETH, you know, all the, all the problems that you mentioned before about UX. So we hope that via this PC client, we can make it very simple and very easy for non-crypto people to get into the game and play. Um, and then also on a, on a PC client, we also have the, the marketplace and like other supporting services like, you know, uh, feedback tools or 
box report that you know the the customers can interact with. Um, so all this would be primarily an off-chain engagement, meaning that you have nothing to do with the blockchain so far. Uh, if you're a new crypto, uh, new to 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 cipher. Um, and then once you play the game uh, up to a certain level where you start earning these valuable NFT items in the game into your character, then we want to introduce the concept of NFTs and Web3 wallets where we say, okay, now you're earning these valuable items. Do you want to, uh, you know, uh, mint it as an NFT and then, you know, transfer it to your own personal Web3 wallet? That you can, you know, uh, keep and own, and and it's, it's fully controlled by you. And then that's how we slowly uh, introduce the concept of blockchain to again non-crypto natives. Um, for the people who bought the NFTs, uh, we are gonna build a bridge from Ethereum to whatever blockchain stack that we choose to use with that is EVM compatible. Um, and they basically can because they already bought the NFT, so inherently they're very crypto native. So they already have a Web3. So when they download our PC client, they will sign up for username and password and have an option to link their Web3 wallet as their like basically sign-on permission security, right? So that's the two like UX path that we're currently planning for the user. One is for crypto natives and one is for non-crypto natives. And then lastly, for non-crypto natives people or just for players in general, nobody likes gas fees, right? And then having to wait, like, I don't know, five minutes for a transaction. Uh, nobody has time for that, right? Um, so we're definitely looking at a blockchain solution, a protocol that can help us with like almost instant finality and, you know, like free gas, like gas-free minting. Um, we are looking at a few options. We talked to the ZK Sync team. We talked to the Starkware team already. We're currently also talking to the Polygon uh, ZK team as well. I think we are not in a rush to choose a tech stack because it's very important for us to make sure that our UX is good for the users. Um, but I think by the time we release the game to the public uh, out of testnet, now I think the the ZK um, basically the ZK ramp is should be pretty clear, and 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 um, and possibly there'll be some like proven use case already that we can that we can leverage. So I guess that's a very long-winded way of saying it's going to be a three-tier, I guess, a three, um, three vertical uh, architecture where when you play, you're off-chain. When you want to, you can bridge it back to on-chain, which is a fast layer two or a fast layer one compatible with Ethereum. And then you can finally, you can then choose back to Ethereum for like the ultimate security if you want to i hope that's clear yeah no that that makes a lot of sense the the inter what i think the one of the interesting things that you said is that you're basically going to have uh an option for people to sort of create an account and log in with uh, email right non, non non crypto credentials and sort of play the game right with that uh as far as i understand it right you'll need one of the characters to play the game and they'll sort of need to i assume buy that character on the marketplace using a metamask or using some sort of crypto solution they don't have to yeah so we're working on a few solutions one of them is uh fiat uh you know on ramp right so basically you can buy it with your credit card or with you know usd if you want and, and number two is a a free-to-play options, which there's a few options that we're playing with. One of them is you're, you're able to grab it from the pool of basically the people who don't play, uh, who have characters uh, in the system, but they don't play. And they're basically like loaning it out or leasing it out um, to other players. And then the players basically just split and share the, the rewards with them. That's another play. That's another option where you can allow them to as a free-to-play model, but you know, to reach uh, certain areas or levels, then you have to basically pay uh, to to participate into the game. So these are a few things we're looking at, and possibly we can we can just do all of them uh, as long as we can uh, grow the uh, the active uh, DAUs, um, because ultimately, as a multiplayer game, you you would realistically want as 
many players online to be playing with each other as possible. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. And um, in terms of like, I guess the the servers, uh, like the server solution. I think like Illuvium is is using is going to be using AWS. That's going to be the same. Okay. So you mentioned just now that you know it's a it's a multiplayer game, right? You want you want a lot of people. You, you want a lot of uh, players in there the game to be engaging and, and exciting let's, let's talk a bit about kind of your community and it's um and, and how you're approaching sort of uh building it right um it 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 shocked me to be honest um where you know when i found out you guys have like 230k discord and uh almost 100,000 uh, uh, twitter followers so that's already quite quite big maybe you can you can talk a little bit about like how that community came came about any any information about like where you know are, are most people sort of asia focused given the interest in gaming and, and some of the demographics there and yeah and kind of how how you plan on on growing that up to the release of the game and and, and uh after that yep so as a caveat um we're we always want to focus on quality and, and not just like um just like uh, numbers so i mean we we never say oh you know we have so many hundreds of thousands and that's good and our job is done um we always focus about like how can we build the most engaging and game loving community as possible because ultimately that w- what would make or break your game how did that come about i mean i guess say a pure luck would be a cop out but um we when we first started and even to now, my 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 ethos, uh, if with any business I do, is always focus on your first hundred fans, and then one thousand fans, and just treat them really well, right? Um, and that's how we basically build a community. When we first started, you know, we had like very little people, and the team and me, we were talking to everybody. Every we know each and every single members of our community, you know, and a lot of them now are are our mods, our moderators, and a few of them have actually joined our team full time. So I guess you have to build it from the ground up, you know, grassroots. And then once it reached like a certain point, you just have escape velocity, right? People know about you and word of mouth. And then like, we never spend like money on advertising for Discord or Twitter at all, ever. Um, it's just always like word of mouth, people referring, retweets, or I guess lately our partnership with all the big uh, guilds have been very good and the guilds also have their own fan base and they have given us a lot of exposure and and we also have given them exposure so that also help and i think lastly is that you know with gaming there's a massive population of gamers out there you know and now with this idea of like oh you can play the game and it's not just a waste of time but you can actually like perhaps like make some money because you can sell these items or you can like do, do cool stuff that can make you money for participating. Then I think that unlocks also a, a new set of players that wouldn't otherwise have touched these games. So I think that is how we are able to grow or other games are able to grow as well. And um, we just have to keep basically engaging them, doing like really cool activities for the community uh, and, and grow from there. One of the really cool th- thing that we're quite proud of is the um, the very early establishment of the Cipher Nexus program. So, what Nexus stands for is a is a community run uh, council uh, of like nine people who are voted by the community uh, on chain, and they would help us to steer all the activities that will help us grow and sustain the Cipher community. And in order to fund that, you know, we actually uh, deposited um, 69.42 ETH uh, from our uh, NECO sales uh, into the community, the Nexus pool, uh, in order to fund all the current and future activities. And again, decided by the community. So, you know, with Web3, I think you you all know the communities first, right? There are your layer zero. And, you know, we cannot be happier uh, having... You know the, the current support that we have, and uh, it's thanks to them that we are able to get so far. To be honest, yeah, that's uh, that's a really interesting approach. I think, uh, and, and something that I haven't necessarily seen 
um, around much in terms of creating sort of a community council in a way, right? And and funding them to um, to help you build out the ecosystem. When I think it's a good like segue into sort of governance, and um, obviously I think governance is is a pretty thorny topic in in crypto in general, and and I think maybe even even more so in in gaming, right? Because I think building a game, uh, a good game, is is much more challenging, perhaps, than than building a, a DeFi project. And maybe that's a controversial mm-hmm. take, but like it requires way more development. It requires way more time. Um, a lot of things that that need to be um, right. So I I can certainly understand why a lot of gaming projects sort of take a long time to give away uh, some of the governance power to to the community um so maybe you can you can tell us how you think about uh, governance and and what uh, your plans are in terms of uh sort of decentralizing the governance yeah i think uh let's start there definitely a very very challenging question because um you know with the rise of governance and DAOs, like where we're still toying with this new model of um, distributed decision making uh, to a point where it goes down to like the individual um, and you know it's very hard to number one get people to care enough to participate actively number two is that you know with any kind of governance um, there's always the the pros and cons right like you know or you, you do like every nft holder can vote or every token holder can vote based on the number of token then how do you make sure that you know the the big holders doesn't like um affect the decision of the smaller holders right um so definitely a lot of questions than answers and we don't pretend to have the answers um we just have a lot of questions as well like 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 you and everybody else so how we plan to treat it is to try it very lightly and have a plan to implement it slowly over time. I think um, I think the term that people use nowadays, and I think it's right, is um, progressive decentralizations. I think that is important, um, especially for games, because the game takes you know years to build you know fully, and it's like there's all this like ongoing development that's happening in game as well. And content, new content be released, and like new play mode, and so on and so forth. So it's definitely much more difficult. And the Cypher Nexus is one of our way to basically run this governance on testnet, if you know what I mean. So we can try to simulate and observe how it would work. You know, being governed by a group of people who are voted in by you know the, all the all the current NFT holders, and if that model goes well and they have there's a lot of like good system in place that we that we think that are very uh, good for the future of Cipher, then we definitely want to take that page uh, that playbook and slowly implement it towards the, uh, the the Cipher governance later on down the road, and um, in order to be more precise, whether that governance is decided by the token. Or by the NFTs, um, I think it has to be a mix of both. Um, I think the NFTs does have a very interesting use case where, because it's the, the non fungible nature of it, so there's a lot of like traceability to, to that, yeah, for for voting and so on. Um, whereas token, because it's freely traded, it's fungible, so it's harder. So I think we we definitely want to toy with a, a few different voting system where you need one or you need another to to vote on certain things. Yeah, so th- I guess again, that's a long-winded way of saying I don't know what's the best way of governance, but we're definitely uh, observing the best practices, all the other people, all the projects, what are doing, and with our Nexus Council, we are definitely testing it and and, and see how it is before we implement it fully. Yeah, I think uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. It's a, it's a challenging question. I think the token versus NFT um, right is. Is sort of a, a, a sub question, but perhaps it's even more challenging. And, and we, we just, I think in a lot of cases, we just don't have the data yet. But mind you, all, all of our NFT holders are getting airdropped the tokens. So I guess 
for us, you, you have both, right? Yeah. Cool. Um, really interested to kind of see how how that how that develops. Um, I think that you know there's a there's a question to like what to to what level a community needs to be involved in the development of the game, right? Like I understand that like you want to say on perhaps features or buffs, nerves, so on, like extensions, like you want to have a voice, right? Um, but I don't know whether community, for example, needs to make a decision on where to allocate funds or whether to hire a, a developer or things of that nature, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be it'll be interesting to sort of see how the decentralized governance plays out and and specifically in the gaming space, I think uh, it, it's a yeah, it's a really interesting question there. You know, we are pretty close to to an hour, so um, I'd like to ask you maybe uh, just a, a couple of questions on the kind of the, the broader NFT gaming space and and perhaps you know some some things you you look forward to in in 2022 or or some predictions that that you want to make. So maybe we can start with like what's what's your take on what's happening in nft gaming right now and 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 kind of what's your assessment of of where we are like 2021 has been crazy so it, it'd be great to hear from from you kind of where where you think we are in in the in the development cycle in the mm-hmm. price cycle great to get your thoughts yeah um or well- Again, just a caveat, I'm quite new to crypto uh, compared to you guys. Um, I've only been around, I mean, I only got to the space for, I guess, not, not even a year yet. Um, so I haven't witnessed my, the full cycle, you know, the, the, the bull and the bear run. Um, but uh, from talking to a lot of knowledgeable people who've been in this space for a long time, you know, the, the observation is crypto is very trendy like it's very uh, it's full of hype and it's very trendy and what does what does that mean it means that you know whenever there's a new trend whether it's DeFi or DeFi 2.0 or play to earn or like the um you know the the the, the ohm the ohm kind of like you know um the ohm forks and then you know uh you know ethereum killers and like this it comes in waves right and there's a lot of noise, I think. Uh, uh, if you're just constantly on Twitter, there's a lot of noise. So it's hard to observe and make a prediction on what's going to happen because of so much noise. Like it's, But I think as with anything, uh, any business, they, the product and the project that would last would be the one that has product market fit. And in crypto, it has a strong community backing it before it reached product market fit. And I think that's how I actually got to crypto because I realized the power of tokenomics incentives because with tokenomics incentives, you, in a, in a way, are able to bootstrap yourself, your product, until you reach product market fit because you know people have, I guess, a skin or a stake in, in, your, in your product in your ecosystem and they want you to succeed. So they would help you share. They would help you preach about it. They would help you get new adoption. They would, you know, basically uh, talk about your project a ton, right? Which is very unusual for, for like traditional um, products. So I think definitely product market fit, um, definitely focusing on community would help the, the, cur- the, the current and future so-called blockchain games. And um, I think I'm very curious and excited at the same time to see what kind of in-game and out-of-game economic model that would be sustainable. Nobody has the answer right now. Everybody is sort of figuring it out as we go. It's going to be a crazy like experiment. But um, it does remind me of the, the free-to-play days where people thought that free-to-play wouldn't work. You know, but free to play did work, and there's definitely a lot of new monetization model that came out of it. You know, I think we just haven't figured out the right or I guess the, the sustainable 
um, monetization model for uh, games on blockchain yet. And I'm excited to see if 2022 can bring about those solutions. I think that's a very level-headed answer. Um, certainly, like looking ahead to the future is something that uh, AG and I do quite often, um, and we do, we give it our best shot. But it's it's a very difficult thing to do. And uh, I mean, some of the stuff that you've said today, I, th I think we can actually learn a lot from you. Even though you said there you haven't been in, in crypto too long, I think um, what you said about uh, you know treating your first hundred or a thousand community members like really closely and developing um, a good relationship and, and sort of understanding them, I think that's really important. Something that we're going to be trying to do at MetaPortal is, is grow, grow a community. So, um, like taking on board what you've said today, I think that's that's definitely something that we can learn from you guys. Um, on the governance side as well, it's going to be really interesting to watch how that plays out uh, with your you know your mixture of NFTs and, and a token um, and, and what you guys decide to do with that. I know we're trying to wrap up, so I just really quickly wanted to jump in and ask about something that you mentioned earlier, which uh, caught my interest, which was you said you have two game economists on the team. So I just wondered, that sounds like a really interesting job. Um, how do you become a game economist? Did they actually study it, or is it like they, they did um, economics at, at uh, university and they've like, applied their gaming experience to become like, speci specialists? How, how does that come about? Yeah. Um... It's really interesting, right? Fascinating, um, and actually, it's a real <laughs> it's a real title in a real game company. They're working for like uh, big game uh, studios, which I cannot disclose. Um, but uh, how do you how do they did it? Uh, yeah, so they they study uh, economics. Um, they were working in like in the, I think one of them was working in the, in the government, uh, studying and making recommendation for certain municipal municipality on like the economic uh, programs for that that state or that town and then he just basically took a massive right turn and just went to gaming because he likes playing games and that's how he became you know a game economist um and uh how 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 can you become one i guess either that or just by working as a game designer um who who knows know about you know all the game systematic loops and then being able to model it out and making sure that is it has its uh its balances uh, check and balances and that's how you can grow to become a, a game economist right um i think <laughs> with them being like sort of half economists i don't think even them can agree on what exactly does a game economist do but Yeah, I think uh, that that's definitely two paths to becoming a game economist. And with blockchain gaming, is I think this profession is just going to be so highly sought after. And um, if you are considered to become one, uh, definitely. And if you are one, and you're looking to join a cool team, please let me know. We would love to work with you. Yeah, I'm. I'm not surprised. I mean, we've talked about before how crypto sort of gives these opportunities to people, and we see it as like the path to the future of work essentially where if you can deliver something at you know the, the intersection of two specialisms then you just got to jump in and go ahead and do it and being a game economist uh, I, i can imagine like with the advent of play to earn and all of these projects that are coming out now that's going to be something very much in demand uh, in the coming months and years so yeah just just, just uh just to add on that point right uh, just a bit like even before blockchain gaming this this role has been around yeah and uh they do really cool stuff like they, they model out for example like cosmetics is a big kind of like monetization loop in free-to-play game right you guys know like fortnite is you know it's free to play but they monetize from cosmetics right And there are like economics model on cosmetics, like, you know, what makes a certain item valuable. And there's like five different factors that have different like levers and controls um, to model that out in, in like a chart. So it's definitely very, very fascinating. And, and the more complex your economy gets, um, the, 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 the more challenging it is and the more you need them. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, it's been great hearing you talk about cypher today tin uh, we really appreciate you coming on do you want to just let everybody know like how to follow you guys how to understand what you're up to what are your your social media sure so you can uh, follow cypher uh, on twitter at cypher xyz uh, cypher is all caps 
Uh, you can also follow me at uh, Ask Tin Nguyen um, on Twitter as well. And uh, that would be the best place to just follow, follow up on the, the progress we made. And uh, if you are a Discord user, uh, gamer, which I'm sure you have used Discord, please join our Cypher Discord. And that's also at Discord uh, slash uh, Cypher XYZ. Would love to have you there. Um, you know, it's very fun. It's a, it's, it's a very friendly and uh, loving community that we'll love to, for you to be a part of. Awesome. Yeah, I know we're both very excited to see how this, uh, how this develops and we're going to be keeping an eye on, on what you guys managed to achieve. So. I'm not sure when this episode will go live, but uh, we have a, yeah, like a little sneak peek of uh, a pre-alpha footage that we're going to drop pretty soon. So that'll be quite cool um, in the next few weeks. Oh, nice. Yeah, so listeners, keep, keep an eye out for that if you're jumping in on the, on the socials. Cool. Um, thanks very much, Tin. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Tim.